ever opened a really sus email? Or maybe you're like, oh, I know I need to make different passwords, but I'm lazy. This week on Where Do We Even Start, we're gonna take you through all the ways to stay safe and secure on the internet. Or maybe ways that you aren't so safe and secure. Coming right up. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Greetings, Natalie. Greetings, my internet-dwelling friend. Yes. How are you doing on this wonderful day? I'm, I'm doing well. I am feeling secure. <laughs> are you learning. feeling secure? How bold of you. I know, right? How bold of me. Secure in myself, secure in my safety on the internet. Pretty decent. Yeah. Today's episode is an important one because just like you said, it's all about securing yourself on the internet. And, you know, it's really a topic that I feel like we've sort of been sitting on all season. Um, And because there's some really weird math shit that comes in here. Um, And also safety and security when it comes to the internet is always really like changing and evolving. And it's also a lot of like inferring how stuff is done. we yeah want to talk about the stuff that like provides us with a sense of security and also the way that the internet protects you in ways that you probably don't even realize because I think that's a bit of a split yeah and like it's hard because I feel like as consumers and like users and we're not tech experts we're not safety experts right like we always just hear so much about like cybersecurity and security on the internet and like your data is being sold off and look how much danger you're in and people are trying to screw you and people are spying on you and you're gonna get hacked you know so there's a lot of like fear I think so definitely the question where do we even start is very relevant this episode because it kind of felt like a bit of a really intimidating topic I think for myself yeah I would say I would say I think that the place to start is maybe kind of at that more like let, let's let's understand some of the stuff that you maybe didn't even know right. is there that's trying to keep you safe okay. on the internet. And then we can kind of then go into the ways in which some of those fail or, or some of some of the ways in which, you know, the security comes because there's stuff that happens outside of those protections. Right. Um and yeah. I wanna say like for everyone, just to kind of like yeah. maybe start start it off. Because there were obviously, like, as we were Googling, there's a lot. There's a lot that came up and you can get really, you know, technical very quickly and you can really quickly go to places that are really hard to understand. So obviously, like, we have limits. We're not scientists. You know what I mean? So we have only certain things we can explain to you confidently. But I think it's maybe important just to remind once again like we do without fail every episode that the internet is just this network of all these computers that are connected right and Mm. we've got all these ones and zeros aka data and we're just sending them back and forth between all these computers and so i think like a kind of the context or like the framing that we're doing for security is like while you're sending your ones and zeros back and forth, you know, you want to make sure that, like, nobody else in that network of computers is going to, like, access your data, steal your data, or, like, use it, you know, in some sort of negative way. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, places within that network, in that system, I guess, where there could be opportunity for security to be compromised. Like, let's say, like, a server or while it's actually being sent, right? So I think, like... Honing it in and just thinking about that 
sort of idea might make it a little easier to grasp yeah. on to what kind of things we're going to explain. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, I think so as well. Great. But yeah, it is. It is that sending. And also, I think, as always, do your own research mm-hmm. if you're interested. I think this is a jumping off point for understanding. True. But also know there's plenty of disinformation out there. So always check it. Like, how new your information is. Because yeah. also these, like, these things like to change. I think also speaking to our last episode about privacy and regulation. I think security is currently fairly unregulated on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of laws about it. Or sometimes there might be laws about how specific government agencies have to use security but not a lot of broad laws and that might change in the next five years for sure maybe it should yeah (laughs) maybe it should maybe yeah we'll see um yeah i think i think first to just kind of start off on i think the the basic of the internet is you know the padlock symbol that you see on a website right and now in like the newest versions of chrome if there is no padlock, it'll say, like, not secure. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? <laughs> what? My boss, shout out to my boss. Um, he has, like, a personal website. I don't know. It's very, it's mm. pretty basic or whatever. And um, yeah, yeah. he obviously tries to redirect people to, like, our businesses' websites through his personal website. I think he has a podcast mm-hmm. and some stuff. So I went to his website just to check it out, right? And Google Chrome gave me the most fierce warning it was like oh. this website might be trying to like steal your data because obviously like he didn't have the lock yeah well and so what usually happens when you get that message and how to sometimes get around that message in a safe way yeah is um the lock is is talking about https which i think we've mentioned before yeah, we but have. Like, http is the like hypertext transfer protocol shout out and the s is for security so we have ssl type encryption which is this way that gives specific websites this kind of certificate that says you know they're a verified website yeah and when you connect with them no one else is gonna like get that data between you sending it and them receiving it so it's like a secure connection um what can happen is that the website is set up to tell your browser to go to https so it can be like oh hey the, the website here, because sometimes you might not put, you know, you usually don't write HTTPS when you're no. going in through Google or when you're just typing the URL in. So yeah. what can happen is the website will do this kind of automatic redirect thing and it sticks that S in there. But if the security certificate is not loaded properly, yeah. either it's not enabled or it ran out or it's not being paid for, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. As soon as Google sees that it's, calling it secure and it's not that's when you get that big warning sometimes you know if 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 you if you're trying to go to something and it's like https and there is no ssl uh encryption certificate that's when it'll be like oh my goodness so i mean here's a hot tip that if it's a website that you're not putting any information into just kind of take the s out of the http in the url and quite often that message will go away right um because then Google Chrome is not freaked out. It knows it's not secure. No, yeah, I had to find yeah. a little button that was like, well, I, it's fine, I don't care, just take me to the website. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's, uh, you know, and so what's uh, happening there is this kind of thing that happens across the internet, which I think is probably the most t- complicated technical right. 
description of what we have to get across. Which because means that we are the, the most same. qualified people to do. Yeah, we're definitely not. And there there are better descriptions, but we're going to try and make it clear for you um, that, yeah. So first, I guess let's, let's explain encryption. Ooh. So encryption. encryption is a way of like taking data okay. and making it unrecognizable basically. A.K.A. garbling it. Garbling it. Garbling so, you know, you might have a, let's say the most simple example is a sentence that's like, hello, how are you? You know? Yeah. And anyone could read that sentence and then you might put it through an encryption algorithm and it could end up looking like exclamation mark dollar sign H-H-Y space one, two, three, four, seven, you know, it could turn into something that you, you literally can't read and... And so the point of encryption then is that only the person who is uh, supposed to be receiving that data is the only person who can then decrypt to turn that data back into what it's supposed to be. Right. It's like when you're a kid, I don't know if you ever did this, but you like make up like a secret language mm-hmm. and like only you and the other person like know the key, yeah. how to decrypt it. And I might pass mm-hmm. Michelle's sticky note with some bullshit on it. And if anyone intercepts it, it's not going to make any sense. But Misha knows the function, the mathematical genius <laughs> that mm-hmm. went into making it make no sense. And so he can then make it make sense. It's like yeah. that basic, very basic idea. And so the main, the kind of one of the main fun- the ways that this happens is with what's called a public key and a private key. Okay. Um, and so this happens, I think, with, with a version of this on the SSL encryption and also, you know, on like WhatsApp spending a lot of money these days telling us how their messages are end to end encrypted. Um, but other services like iMessage or or other things, uh, will work in this similar way that kind of, do you have a public key? The website you're visiting will have a public key. Both people on WhatsApp will have public keys and those are ever, everyone can know that. Um, and you, when you're sending something to someone, you encrypt your data with their public key kind okay. of thing. So the public so, key, because I know when we were researching this, the terms kind of kept like throwing me off a little bit, like yeah. public key, private key. So it's like the public key are like the instructions on how to make the thing make no sense. Basically. But they do not provide you with the instructions of how to make it make sense again. It's only like a one way thing. Yeah, so so it's this there's there's kind of some types of complicated math. I, one video we watched um, was kind of talking about like um, you can multiply two prime numbers together and get a number, but it's a lot harder to look at that number and then know exactly which two prime numbers you multiplied together to get it, kind of thing. Right, there's a lot you of can options. get it eventually, and obviously with a small number it's easy, but when it's like a twenty-five digit long number that gets a little harder, right? right? Um, and so it's not exactly that math, but it's math like that math that is kind of easy to do one way but then to do in reverse um takes a long time and and really the way that they do it no matter how fast your computer is it might take literally to the end of the universe (laughs) to calculate it in backwards um assuming the encryption algorithm is um built properly and i think you know some of the early internet encryption algorithms we don't use anymore because they weren't secure enough right but yeah so the public key is a series of numbers kind of thing mm-hmm. like it is just a, a big long number um and then that's related to your private key so your public key anyone can have anyone can encrypt data using your public key as kind of the key in the algorithm 
kind of thing. Okay. So there's an encryption algorithm and it says, I will jumble up your data. And the way I'll jumble up your data is based off of whatever key you stick into me. Right. And so once you receive that data, and this all happens kind of without you seeing. Right, of course, um, in the background. Then your program has in it the private key. Okay. And the private key is the only thing in the world that can take that data that's been jumbled up using the public key and turn it back into something that you can understand kind right, of thing. Right, right. So theoretically, so theoretically, yeah. my, if I'm sending something encrypted, right? Yes. To you. Me and Misha, mm-hmm. we're sending encrypted things back and forth. Okay, even on WhatsApp, we're just sending emojis, but it's very secretive. So my public key is garbling my message to Misha. And his public key is garbling his messages to me. But um, the pro- not quite. Oh. Your public key is, is garbling my messages to you. Oh, my public key is garbling your messages to me? Yeah. Right. I see that. Anything I'm sending to you needs to be garbled with your public key because then your private key is the only thing that can. Oh, I see. Yeah. So when you're going to a website, you see their public key. And so your data gets, you know, securely garbled. And then they're the only ones who can unlock it with their private key. Oh, I see. Only they can read what you send to them because only them have the only them have the private key. <laughs> I so it's see. kind of it's okay. kind of that thing where yeah it's like a key that only works in one direction. So right, like, right, 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 yeah, right. yeah. So you so you kind of like swap public keys kind of thing. Yeah everyone everyone can see each other's public keys. Anyone could encrypt anything to be with I anyone's see. public key. But then only that right. one person who has the private key in theory, you know. I see. And so sometimes, I guess, a security issue that can happen is that, uh, in theory, a private key could be um, <laughs> uncovered. Right. So, you know, generally we don't use to use one private key for everything. You know, new, new public keys are um, generated all the time for stuff, you know. Okay. So, so that's less of an issue. And um, But that is, in theory, one way that your data could get hijacked. So it's kind of like... It's kind of like when people are concerned about um, WhatsApp reading your messages or Facebook reading your messages or, or whoever. Yeah. If they're saying that, no, these messages are like end-to-end encrypted, that mm-hmm. means that like not even WhatsApp or Facebook has the private key to then ungarble your messages. That is literally just between the two people yes. sending Be- the messages yeah, back and exactly. forth. And because if, if the system is built properly, obviously. Right. And and I, I think one thing to remember here is that you have to trust that the application developer, the person who made all this computer program, has done their job correctly. Right. Um, which is we can talk about, like, most of the problems with the today's internet is because someone didn't do their job properly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Shocking. yes, as long as they've done their job properly, because a private key should never, ever, ever be sent over the internet. Right. Because that would ruin the, the purpose of having it be private kind of thing. And, you know, I was Googling because I was kind of wondering, like, I know, like, some people I know use Signal because they, mm-hmm. you know, they think it's more secure and all this stuff. So I was kind of just doing a little Google, like, is it? You know, because now that I know what I know about the end-to-end encryption, I'm like, 
if everyone's using this, I don't really see how one is really more, maybe you just have more trust in the organization generally. Like I guess, cause I think Signal is like a nonprofit or something. It's like open source. So maybe you just have more trust that way. But basically this one article um, by <laughs> Tech Advisor, shout out Tech Advisor. Um, they were just saying that, you know, it lo- just looks like WhatsApp generally is collecting more information about you, not by reading your messages, but just by other means, right? Because I mean, they're connected to Facebook and I'm sure they have other methods. So they're just generally collecting more data that's going to be connected to your identity, whereas Signal collects nothing. So if in your mind, you know what I mean, that to you is related to your security, then that would be the thing to consider. But in terms of like your messages getting hacked or whatever, it's pretty like... Seems pretty sure. secure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of that that the content of the messages should stay secure, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Facebook, that WhatsApp is probably collecting more data from sign up. There's also ways that like when you get a link preview in WhatsApp, you know, yeah. WhatsApp has to like load. Usually, they will load an image or something of that website, mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes WhatsApp can track things like that because the whatsapp app had to request to that website to pull that data in so whatsapp knows that you had to load that website kind of thing so as much as the fact that that link was sent end to end that was encrypted so someone else isn't going to get a copy of the fact that that link was sent but whatsapp maybe knows that you requested that website to get the picture right And, and different apps have different levels of security and definitely they're in the past have been some um, security issues with with features like that. I think what um, WhatsApp, I think it, WhatsApp and Instagram in the EU had to turn off that feature because it technically was potentially storing a cookie on a device, which was not allowed without the user's explicit consent. And um, right, right. Yeah, there's, there's kind of those things like that where, yes, the, bit, the backbone is end-to-end encrypted, but there are kind of these extra features, which is often where the the issue where the Yeah, or these little loopholes kinda get created yeah. and little rips in the system. Yeah. Because once again, it's just a bunch of computers that are connected. So, you know, there's, you know, certain channels, you know, set up and different methods of communicating and different methods of sending your data in very specific ways. And yeah, you just alter that slightly and suddenly it's a new situation. So I guess in terms of, yeah, your data being sent back and forth, if you're using Messenger or you're using WhatsApp, and I think iMessage uses this too, right? Yes, it does. iMessage is, then is encrypted. you're pretty good. And if someone is reading your messages, I think that's not really allowed. Yeah. <laughs> According to their own company claims. But I guess we'd properly have to read the terms and conditions to confirm that. But yes, I'm exactly. not doing that. No. Yeah, and that's that's a thing where, you know, a lot of people got really scared about WhatsApp changing their terms and conditions because it was automatically, I think, going to, like, share your, like, name that you had registered with WhatsApp was then going to be shared more broadly with Facebook, now Meta, oh. um, just in terms of, like, centralizing their registration thing and yeah Yeah. i think people were worried that facebook was going to read their messages which isn't kind of what that was saying but you know all of this is just trusting that the way the apps appear to work is how they actually work which right i think as you were kind of saying with the terms and conditions is we can assume what's in the terms and conditions 
is correct because they spend a lot of lawyer money <laughs> making sure True. those terms and conditions are going to keep them out of all of the problems and they just don't have a huge monetary incentive to be spying on you in such obvious yeah. ways because they think the only reason they spy on you is to then sell that data to advertisers and if it's very yeah. obvious that they're extra spying on you then they can't sell that data because people would people would notice they're like how did you get that um <laughs> no telling and there's also um this website called tosdr.org aka terms of service didn't read <laughs> and basically they um grade the terms of services and they um kind of give you the most important claims you know what i mean yeah like what what's yeah what's what's it really getting at because obviously lots of it is yeah and i'm just looking they have like they have graded like khan academy cora blizzard they have pornhub has a grade e oh e is an excellent no, E is in sh- horrible, I think. Okay. <laughs> and they say right here, um, this service can read your private messages. The service can delete specific content without reason and may do it without prior notice. You sign away moral rights. Awesome. The service holds onto content that you've deleted. So that's all. Thank you, Pornhub. You're amazing. Yeah. Oh, and like PayPal has an E as well. It says the service still tracks you even if you opted out of tracking. Oh my god, Pinterest? The service can read your private messages? <laughs> wow, awesome. So anyways, let's just say that if you are concerned and you want to make sure that you didn't do anything too fucked by just saying, yes, I agree, then there are websites that are trying to make it more digestible for you. So I would recommend doing that. Because it's security for yourself, like whatever your own limits are. You know what I mean? In terms of giving your data away and in terms of what you're willing to do on the internet, like that is a more like personal thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on what your definition of security is for yourself, then that's going to determine how thoroughly you read the terms and conditions, conditions. right? So. Yeah. And also, yeah, what do you, what types of things are you worried will come back to you, I guess? Because I think the way right. that Facebook, the way that Facebook, like the way that they say this service can use your private messages, our system automatically processes content and communications you and others provide to analyze context and what's in them for the purpose to describe below. Um, mm. Weirdly, the cutouts for the purposes described below aren't there. But, um, you know, I think that that to me kind of sounds like, you know, before it's encrypted, they might look for key advertising words. Yeah. And and they might say, oh, you're mis- talking about this in this message. Then we'll just add that to your ad tracking profile as maybe right. something that you should be targeted with kind of thing. Right. So I know there's a lot of, is, is, somebody, is somebody listening to my conversations? Is my phone listening to my conversation? And I think it's kind of like, no, I don't think it is because that would just cost a lot of money for someone to set that up. And I just don't think it's worth it because they can e- Here's the thing, they can easily get that data literally by these methods. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? They don't need to listen to you because you just text it out or whatever it is. So, yeah, yeah they're sp- they're not spying on you in the way you think they are, but they are collecting information about you to sell you shit. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it fucking works, man. <laughs> I'm on. It does. Like I talk about something in a chat or like whatever, you know, I, I maybe I searched it up one time, as we know, talking about cookies and everything, and suddenly it's everywhere. And then I'm like, wow, like maybe I should buy this. So you, they, you know what? Yeah. 
yeah, I think, I think, you know, yeah, I think in, encryption, you're only as safe as, as much as you trust the service, which is to say that you're kind of not that safe at all, <laughs> unless you build your own services, which is right. mostly nobody, um, although a couple, yeah. a couple of folks. But I think one, one other thing and way to look at it as well is that, um, you know, people say it's a slippery slope, but I, I think that you're also only as safe as like the government that you live under as well right, and any right. future government. And so I think this is the right. like, how paranoid do I feel I need to be test kind of thing. Um, yeah. Because yeah, maybe the government's not listening to you via your Amazon Alexa. Sorry if I accidentally activated your Alexa's folks. Um, but you know, maybe the government now isn't, but you know, c- clearly someone in the future could write a law that requires you requires companies to allow governments to be able to do that thing so right. it's knowing that like just because something's maybe secure right now you're maybe not being listened listened to right now as soon as we build the technology that can do that then it has yeah. the potential to be abused one Kinda example opens that door one example i think that's very prominent in this space is that apple a couple of months ago proposed a feature that would check photos uploaded to iCloud photos and sent over iMessage with a um, child pornography database, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. It would only kind of filter the, the photo through. So no one would actually see the photo, but if the photo matched this version that was on the database and it had to, it was yeah. a very complicated algorithm to like account for cropping and all these things. And it wouldn't do it if it was just one because maybe it was a false negative, but like when you hit a certain certain threshold of of flagged photos um, in your message or in your iCloud photos, then your account yeah. could be dinged and you might be investigated. And, you know, it was this mm. automated system. Like, no one was looking at your photos, but the algorithm was. And right. a lot of people were like, no, fuck, no, fuck, no, don't do this. And right, right. they have so far not done it kind of thing. The only, the half-step measure that they put in is, I think... Now there's a feature where parents can enable, um, you know, in the same way that your photo album can, like, smartly recognize, like, oh, is there dogs in this photo? Is there this in this photo? Now if there's, like, nudity, if the phone thinks that there's nudity in an iMessage that a minor receives, it'll, like, pop up with a thing being like, are you sure you want to look at this message? I mean, Instagram does similar things with content that have, like, gore and blood in them kind of thing. I see, right. It's, like, a sensitive content warning, so... Yeah. That's the only version that they've kind of built in. It seems like they're pausing. And I think I think this thing is a lot of people really think that it's an important thing so, so that we're able to stop child sex trafficking. But yeah. then the yeah. alternative argument is, you know, as soon as you build that algorithm that um, you can put a ton of photos in and then match photos to see if they exist on people's phones, um, you know, what if the government in China or the government in Russia or, you know, the government in whatever country doesn't have to be hugely authoritarian says, oh, well, we've got these protest photos and anyone who has these photos from this protest or anyone who has these anti-government memes, we want you to flag them too. Yeah, yeah. And you want to think that the company is going to say no, but if all of a sudden a country is threatening to ban your products or ban your... Um, sales or fine yeah. huge amounts then how much you know who's gonna blink first in that fight? exactly yeah 
And we know money makes the world go round. So yes, as much does. as you want to believe that people would stick to their morals or values yeah. or whatever, at the end of the day, if you're going to lose billions of dollars, I mean, who's to say? Yeah. And one, e- one example of that is Russia um, in their recent elections. Someone had made an app that kind of put together all of the candidates and told you exactly which anti-Putin candidate to vote for. Yeah. Oh, um, I remember because that. Because yeah, in, yeah. in Russia, they had like the... Putin denies it, but but they kind of like they would flood elections with people whose names and photos looked very similar to the real candidate who was the like you know the genuine person who was running to stop Putin, um, Putin's party kind of thing, and they would like make a bunch of other people so you didn't really know who to vote for. You're like, oh, I know it was like Dmitry oh, Alexov, <laughs> but there's that's so mean. What the there's fuck? like there's like seven Dmitrovs. Like this, wait, which one is it? Like literally, they would they would do that. The to stress make it while voting. And so this app was trying to cut through that, and and they threatened um, both the safety and security of Apple and Google's employees in Russia. Damn. And, and they, they made big threats against both Apple and Google to force them to take the app off of both the, um, the app store Damn. and the play store. And they gave in because they, they, yeah, you know, know they did. And they, they made that calculation and, you know, those are those, those, that's the real, I think, biggest security concern is Shit. that, yes, your data might be read, but is it by like a big hacker or is it by, by a government and what's kind right. of most likely... Because at the end of the day, I mean, I think we've witnessed over, I mean, we've always fucking witnessed this, but are reminded once again, this pandemic and everything, it's like the government has the power. Duh. Like we we either put them there, they put themselves there, whatever, for the literal reason that they can have the power to then do what they want. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing about encryption and all that data. I think the other, the other side of that is the fact that your password for all of these accounts yeah. is a type of private key kind of thing. Oh. It's it's not a private key in, in a full way, but sure, you know, sure. it's it, it is acting as that like thing that authenticates you and so your yeah. data is then fully accessible to anyone who has your username right. and password, right? Right. Um and that is also a huge security issue for the for the internet because Maybe your password's being sent in encrypted ways, but it's being stored somewhere else. There, mm. there are lots of ways that you know. If if one part of, uh, I guess people say you're you're only as strong as your weakest link. It's yeah. definitely the same thing with internet security. Mm. If there's a bunch of third party plugins, or right. you know, um, if the person who made the app brought in someone else's code there's a possibility that there's something defective or something nefarious built into that that is, yeah. you know, ending up leaking your, leaking your stuff. And so all over the internet, it does happen that there are password breaches, is what they're called. So right, uh, right. a bunch of unencrypted data will end up somewhere. Happens for a lot of different reasons. It happens fairly less, I think, to quite large companies kind of thing, like Apple and Facebook and Amazon and and Google are, you know, they're slightly less likely to be password breached than, uh, you know, I don't know, Pornhub or um, yeah. the Home Depot had a huge data breach. Target did, I think. Damn, the Home Depot leaves the Home Depot alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it definitely, there can be this situation where your password gets out and as soon as someone has your password, they can write computer programs that try and break in. So 
that's a big security issue. So I think that's part of why people say never reuse your password. So if it's broken into somewhere, if some one password's yeah. th- found out, um, all your passwords aren't found out. So um, yeah. that's a thing to do. And then also we have things like two-factor authentication, which is, um, you know, on top of your password, they try and send a one-time code that expires very mm-hmm. quickly to a trusted device. So yeah. in theory, you would need both of those things. And I have a question for you about that. And I mean, there might yeah. not be an answer, but it's just something that, that I, I think I saw a TikTok about it that briefly touched on it. And I kind of, I was thinking about this while we were researching for this episode, mm-hmm. where it was like, it seems like we're moving towards two-factor authentication very quickly. Like these days, I feel like I'm doing the two-factor for everything. But I saw someone say, like, a lot of people don't even, like, have a smartphone or, like, have maybe that secondary device. Like, let's say you're just using the computer at the library or, like, you know what I mean? You're borrowing someone else's computer or, yeah, you don't have, like, a device that you can then confirm that it's you. Does that kind of, like, exclude some people out of using services and, you know what I mean? Yeah, it it definitely might. I think most implementations... It's optional. Definitely, sometimes it's not. In some cases, okay. like I know, in a lot of corporate business cases, they they force it because right. it's the security of the company. Although in all those cases, the company should be giving you a device in that case, exactly. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like sometimes Apple will require it, but it's only ever I think requiring it on accounts where it knows you've already okay. got some. Like it, you, it's only on people who definitely do you have an Apple device kind of thing? And so you don't know mm-hmm. you need a second device. Sometimes you can get the code on the device you're already using kind of okay. thing. Definitely can create an unfortunate situation where your phone gets broken and it's the only one. Um, and so in that case is a lot of two-factor authentications um, do have a backup security code, which is is basically the um, private key, the the equivalent of the the private key in that. Uh, context where you can kind of enter that and recover the account or you know i think we're we're trying to work on ways but yeah no they definitely can make it less accessible it's a it's a a mix but then (laughs) the only people who don't have all those devices then have all of their stuff stolen all the time right right and i wonder too like this is just something in terms of passwords right yeah i think it may be just good to reiterate for people because maybe you've never thought too hard about it because honestly I don't you know I don't blame you there's no time to think about anything ever Mm. but you know when you make a password and it's like please make a strong password like put you need a character you need a capital letter you need a number you know and it's like oh I don't want to unlike maybe you make it just the same password for everything or whatever right it's like why is it important to actually have like diverse and strong passwords like who because i feel like it's always this thing where it's like yeah sure but like who the hell is actually trying to like guess my password and like you know hack all my stuff or like why is it actually important to have a good password yeah yeah i think there's there's a few reasons the one the one i kind of already mentioned was that yeah if one password gets compromised if you don't have the same password for any other accounts, then it's only that one account that's the problem. It's yeah. not potentially going to get into other accounts. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing about having um, those uppercase l- letters and lowercase letters and numbers and stuff is it makes what's called like a brute force attack 
a lot more right. difficult. Um, okay. Because if your password is only five characters long and it's all lowercase letters, it would not take a computer very long to guess through all of the possible combinations. Right. It, it would take, it would, you know, in computer time, it's a very easy thing to do. Um, right. But as soon as you, you know, this is kind of that permutations math that I'm sure yeah. you hate to do. But, you know, you just think about like to the power of whatever. As soon as you introduce uppercase letters, then there's um, twice as many options. And then right. when you include numbers and special characters, then there's even more options of, of different types of yeah. possible passwords. So and it just makes That's basically, the, just in case if, if, if someone doesn't know what that is, I, even though I took a class about it, I still don't get it that that met well. But I'm going to try to do like a dumbed down version, not dumbed down version, a simplified version. And you let me know if this is like generally the essence of it, kind of, right? Yeah. So yeah, if your pass nowadays they say, oh, your password has to be like eight characters minimum. That's also something I've noticed. So like there's eight spaces for there to be a character of some sort from your keyboard. Mm-hmm. So if all of with all all you're doing is just all lowercase letters, the computer just has to like run through every letter of the alphabet in each spot in all the different possible combinations, right? So it could be A, 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 B, 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 like whatever. But it would take, that's a lot of combinations, even just like that. But since computers have a lot of processing power and they can do that real fast, that's actually not that hard of a task. Mm -hmm. So this is what Misha's saying. So suddenly, if one of the letters is a capital, you don't know which space is a capital. So technically the computer has to run through every capital letter in every spot as well as run through every lowercase letter in every spot. So now add in an exclamation mark and whatever. So the amount of combinations it has to try keeps getting fucking higher and it could be like a billion trillion combinations like literally. Yeah. Even though a billion trillion is a number. <laughs> but yeah, is that does that explain it decently? Yes, that does explain it decently. And I think the idea okay. is also, by the time someone's tried that many password attempts, they're definitely logged out. They're definitely, you know, even if they've overcome, because usually there's like a password attempt system kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And it, and it makes it so people can't just write a code that like, you know, when you when you have it at least eight, eight characters and it has to have a special character, then it can't just be password. Obviously, there are <laughs> the most common passwords out there yeah. still. Um, but you know, just, it just forces you to not have that super, super guessable password. It's at least password money sign. Yeah. (laughs) Capital P password money sign. (laughs) If that's your password, go change it right now. Pause this, pause the podcast, go change your password. One way around that is, you know, there's, there's things like password managers. Um, so there's, uh, if only we were in a place where we were trying to be sponsored because dash. Dashlane oh is definitely a password manager. LastPass is a password manager. If you have all Apple devices, there's um, the keychain password manager built into right. Apple devices. And most password managers kind of a master key, so to speak. Um, yeah. That will unlock all your passwords. And then usually most password managers will auto-generate a password as well. Like, it'll suggest a completely random password that you're never yeah. expected to remember. And the idea yeah. is that you always... You know, you super secure that one account. Um, so your password manager is the most important thing to never, you know, right. lose. Uh, but then... Does Google Chrome has a, pa- has a password manager? Password manager. Google, Google Chrome will save your passwords. Okay. Um, 
which is... I remember gave me a warning once. It was like, you bitch, your password has been compromised. Yeah. yeah like, no, no, no. Oh! So yeah, Google Google Chrome does have like a password syncing thing. It has okay. less features in terms of like the auto generation. But yes, no, um, the Apple and I guess the Google Chrome one does have now a database. So it'll, it'll be like, oh, these passwords are compromised. And oh, you have this many repeat passwords. You should do something about that kind of thing. <laughs> They're like, please, please, we beg you. Please. <laughs> please. You're like, we just want you to be safe. Um, I remember in one of the cl- classes that we took in university, I don't know if you remember this, but it was kind of about like, um, I think it was like human computer, like interaction, one of those kind of courses. And it was mm. talking about how it's kind of funny when you're thinking about, um, it was about like passwords and remembering your passwords and kind of human memory. And like, it, I think it was related a bit to security, but it was saying that there's some instances where the, the security kind of like comes full circle where it's like, okay, you've made the most random password ever so that no one could ever guess it. Right. And I think this was maybe before password managers were, like, super popular. I don't really know. But then that leads you to, like, write down all your passwords in a password book in your mm. house. Like, a physical book. But then that opens you up to, like, okay, so someone just needs to come into your house and get your password book. And then they have all your passwords. And so it's kind of, like, those two different lanes of security where it's, like, is someone literally who lives near you, you know what I mean, going to try to access your passwords physically versus someone digitally on the internet is going to try to hack you. So it's just kind of a funny thing where it was, like, you, to be more safe online, you then write it down physically somewhere in your house, which then kind of opens you up to, like, somebody in your house hacking you. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Or breaking in and getting your shit, I I don't know. There's always, yeah, no, exactly. When you put it in one password manager or one physical book in your house, then there becomes a single point of failure, I guess. Right. Um, And so you could have five different passwords that you use, and you only use those five, and then there's five points of failure. Um, Right. But it's just super hard to, like, weigh up the risk of, like, what's more risky? That that the one website who I use this password on gets hacked, or that someone breaks into my house, or that my password manager becomes, you know, effed up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One thing to say, I guess, um, specifically about cloud password managers is that they should always be encrypted. Right. (laughs) Um, So that's one way that, like, your password manager should be safe is that, like, even if your password manager got hacked, they should be storing all of your data fully encrypted all the time. And if they're not, they're terrible. Um, Because in the system of the Internet, like we talked about, we went through in our cloud episode... Yeah, your data is really being stored on servers that aren't necessarily, like, you know, owned by the website that you're going to and giving your data to. So there's a lot of, like, third parties or companies you wouldn't, you don't even know you're getting involved with or you don't even know that they're going to be, you know, your security is going to be in their hands. So if they're not storing your data on their server encrypted and then their server gets hacked, then that's not good. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's and that's how a lot of these password breaches and, and stuff like that happens. Right. Yeah. So people just need to know where the weak links are and then boom, bada boom, exactly. garbledy goop, no more. And I think the weak link is a good transition into like, what are the real threats? You know? Yeah. Um, and then I will. So I think the real threats that we do face are things like 
viruses are things right. now like ransomware which is kind of a type of virus that uses encryption and then phishing which is maybe where we should start because i think it's, pro- it's probably the thing that is actually the most real risk to people okay i would i would guess i don't know that's, that's a pretty I think had a psa guess. about it like in elementary school or something yeah. or maybe it was in high school where it was like don't fall for phishing don't fall for phishing um and so if you don't know what phishing is it's it's spelled with a f it's spelled with a ph um phishing with a ph um but the idea behind phishing is that it impersonates um a service that you might have it might impersonate your bank or apple or microsoft or google um it's impersonating someone to try and then lead you to a website that will probably it'll like mask its url like quite often phishing websites will use this browser tool where like the website at the top might look like apple but then if you double click into the url it'll be like one big prize at big fun we're trying to steal your money dot yeah, com. Like, we, we will be stealing dot money yours please dot are you <laughs> um you know uh anyways but and it's always it always it always um, as someone who does UX design and is very attentive to design details, it always gets me that people fall for them because um, I was definitely working one time and um, I guess everyone in my organization got this email from the finance manager, but not okay. from the finance manager kind of thing. It was like, oh, please send me this thing on OneDrive. And I was like, oh, that's weird. What the heck? And then I clicked on it and I was like, oh, I see. This is a phishing thing because clearly this website is so fake. That's not what mm. Office 365 looks like. All of those logos are kind of incorrect. Like, LOL, this is a phishing email. And then I deleted it. And then yeah. like 10 minutes later, my boss, who was working in the same room as me, was like, oh, no. I just I just think, I just did this thing and i think it was fake i was like oh no oh no my mind, no one else got the email so i didn't say anything and then i was like oh just kidding other people are not at, not at, not as yeah. good as like obviously finding out the fake things no but, yeah. yeah the point of phishing is to to trick you basically into putting in your usually your username and password usually they will they will right. make a fake website that looks like your login you'll click login usually then nothing will happen you'll be like oh what the heck or it'll be like oh something was wrong or oh actually everything's fixed now all yeah. the times i'm always super afraid of when i get weird emails like all of a sudden, I was getting an email from Donald Trump Jr. or something. I just started getting fuck? marketing emails from Donald Trump Jr. And I was just <laughs> afraid that the, like, unsubscribe button was going <gasps> to be some sketchy website that, Ooh. like, took over my computer. Damn. Um, that was a fear I had for a bit. But I think I just kept deleting them. Well, sometimes I get yeah. them and I laugh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think phishing is this thing where it tries to trick you into giving giving up your details or especially giving yeah, up yeah. your credit card details you know uh, a common one would be like netflix oh your payment details need to be mm. updated please enter your payment details on this website um you know i think a, a top suggestion is if you ever get an email like that don't click on the email yeah just go to your netflix thing and double right. check and see and i think it's that thing too where like older people may have an easier time falling for it Obviously not in every case, but yeah. it's, it's, a, I'd say my idea with like, you know, those like, um, phone spam calls. Yes. Have you ever heard of these where someone will be like, 
this is your grandson, like, I'm in Mexico, I'm stuck. Or it'll be, like, someone calling on behalf of, like, the prison in Mexico. Like, oh, your grandson's here. Um, He needs you to send five grand to, like, get him out of prison. Like, he went on vacation. Like, they'll tell this whole story and, like, the grandparents are very gullible. And they obviously just want to, like, help their grandchild, so they'll send the money. And then their grandchild isn't even in fucking Mexico. They're at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like... Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you're just not aware and you're not thinking about these things, yeah, you might fall for it. Your instincts are just going to kick in. So I worry that same thing where it's like someone who's not that internet savvy, but they just have an email, right? For emailing their friends or basic stuff. And then suddenly you get this email and it's Mm -hmm. like, you need to do this thing. It's like, oh my God, I need to do this thing. And then suddenly... A common one I'll get, it's not just email now, too. I get text messages ones. A common text message one will be, like, a delivery notification. It'll be like, UPS has sent your thing. Oh, I got one of those. Rude. Yeah, like, I've definitely got that before, too. Which also, like, how do you even tell that it's different from the real UPS tracking one? If you had actually ordered something. Yeah. And then you got that spam text. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, uh, often I'll get a spam email about that as well. But yeah, you know, right. there's a lot of ways that people are trying to take advantage of you. Um, it's very rude. Very rude. Um, but but I think that goes in line with why your passwords need to be different. Because yeah. if you get fished and you put in your password and email for your, you know, one website that they're tricking you for... If that email is now the and password is the same for everything, well, now they can log into your everything. But if it's yeah. just the same for that one website, then they mm-hmm. only have gained access to that one website. Or and similarly for two-factor authentication, because what I think we'll we'll speak on next um, is that a lot of times, um, big corporate hackings will happen yeah. because someone in the organization gets fished, oh, and shit. they enter their internet passwords and then. Boom. The whole wow. um, system. That would, suck. that would literally suck ass if you were like the one employee in the company who like accidentally got fished and the whole company got hacked because of you. That would suck. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So so one big risk. This is kind of the more modern risk. I think people maybe have heard of okay. viruses and viruses are just kind of computer programs that are designed to like run in the background so you never see them and mm. generally their purpose is just to steal your data and right. you know do nefarious things i mean in the early internet days you would like download a program and yeah it might just might have what we call malicious code so yeah. things that are not doing what you want some computer programs were just like literally to to fuck with you yeah um, wow rude. so they might like melt they might make your screen look like it's on fire or you know what make a lot of porn pop-ups right you know I'm, like, low-key down to, like, see my computer screen look like it's on fire, but... Yeah, yeah, except, except that, like... Or, like, just, like, a bunch of fire gifs, right? You know? Um, but generally, more people just do it for, for nefarious purposes. So, yeah, viruses are are apps that kind of do things that you that aren't expecting. Ransomware is probably the biggest, I think, growing threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and a ransomware is essentially a type of virus, and what it's doing is it's encrypting all of the data either on a network or in an organization or on a specific computer or a a set of computers um, so that um, you can't access it anymore, right? It is garbled, all of your data. And the idea with the ransomware is that you have to pay them a sum that they think you're willing to pay and then they'll unencrypt it for you. Um, So it would be like if suddenly 
everybody's Facebook account was encrypted. Like, you couldn't access it. And Facebook no longer, nobody has the private key that's needed to, like, access it. So no one can access anything on Facebook. Suddenly, you're just fucking locked out. Facebook can't fix it because they need the private key. And then whoever it is is like, yeah, that'll be $5 billion, please, and I'll give you the private key. Was it like that? It would be like that. It wouldn't happen on the scale of, say, Facebook. Right. It usually happens more on, like, um, people who have, yeah, private network servers, so they'll, like, encrypt the whole server of the organization or, Mm. you know, oftentimes, yeah, usually they target more, like, specific businesses that probably have their own, you know, yeah, corporate networks and and things that they can attack. So, like, I think the Colonial Pipeline is probably one of the most well-known ones that caused kind of that gas, you know, scare. What was that? Last year was that? um, Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was just, like, that was, like, only six months ago. LOL. In the speed of how things change. or It was was in 2021, but essentially a large pipeline company um, got hacked. Um, They... They, they had their systems were taken over by ransomware and uh, they shut down a pipeline with the ability and then they locked them out of their own systems. They couldn't Damn. access it. And so what's, what's assumed to have happened in this case is not that a specific com- uh, employee was fished, but they, they saw that a password was discovered in a, in a batch of leaked passwords on the dark web. So oh. someone somewhere hacked a bunch of passwords, probably from another website. Um, and that this one employee had used the same password on another account uh, as as their work password. Um, and so they logged into this virtual network and then they took over and it was a big thing. Uh, pretty crazy. In the, in the end, I believe the U.S., um, like the military really stepped in and they tried to do it. Actually, do they do, I think they did pay the ransom but now there's some sketchy things about how they tracked the cryptocurrency oh. um, and, re- and retrieved some of that money back, which is like a whole separate confusing thing, <laughs> which we'll not get into. But um, put a similar to do with all of the complicated math behind the Internet. And so it's kind of like we don't even have. Well, maybe now you have an inkling of how that works, but without any understanding of any any of any of that like how are you even supposed to think about a ransomware attack or like understand yeah. what it means or like understand how to protect yourself protect or really yourself. i mean it's just like it's just, it's just, it's just like a out of our league kind of thing to think about it is a bit i think the the things you can do is to you know you can use vpns which will right. like trap will will shroud your internet traffic and make it so people aren't tracking you that's one thing you can do you can use virus software which is which will potentially protect security which will potentially protect you um although virus software is only as good as the virus software's database so it is some protection but it's not all the protection i think the best <laughs> the best thing to do is to like not install apps that you don't know where right. they've come from or right. not downloading things from sketchy places. Cause yeah. as soon as you're like opening and running and even not visiting sketchy websites, um, because there are sometimes um, what's called like a, a zero day exploit where, you know, just some sort of thing that's been built into the way an operating system works. Or um, recently there's been, this commonly used logging tool, um, which is how developers like get messages about bug testing and um, 
this common logging tool used on cloud databases um, has been seen to have a kind of critical security threat. And so they're like finding fixes, but if your cloud system uses it, it's, you know, potentially breachable. And there's a long history of, of, of there's, you know, there's a long history of small things like that where, um, there's right. a small bug in the system, and until it's fixed, um, potentially there's a big gaping security hole. But potentially no one knew about it either, you know, just because there yeah, is a hole yeah. doesn't mean anyone's figured right. out how to exploit it. And it's also, and- it's this thing where, like, you know, I think when ransomware first started, um, individuals sometimes did get attacked a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it can happen, yeah, if you visit a random website and then, oops, I downloaded this app and actually it locks now me my, my computer is locked. And, and wants you to pay. Usually it seems now that they, they focus on a bit bigger targets because then Makes they sense. can get yeah, more money. Yeah, you can make millions of dollars. Yeah, and instead of targeting a bunch of small people, then they'll target some bigger people, although maybe, you know, who knows, the trend could come back around and it could be, oh, no, big... Big targets were getting too much attention, so right, right. Let's go back, back to small targets hmm. again. You know. Well, I actually have um, on this website called CNET.com. Kind of, it's going over the um, a bit of a timeline of like the ransomware attacks. Mm-hmm. And so the first it was saying that the first so this one is the AIDS Trojan slash PC cyborg attack in 1989. So this was considered the template for all subsequent attacks, and it's the first known instance of a ransomware attack. So this is in 1989, before Bitcoin was created. This biologist <laughs> Joseph Pop, P O P P distributed 20,000 floppy disks at the World Health Organization AIDS conference in Stockholm. The floppy disks were labeled AIDS information, introductory diskettes, and contained a Trojan virus that installed itself on an MS-DOS system. Once the virus was on a computer, it counted the times the computer booted up. Once the computer booted up 90 times, the virus hid all the directories and encrypted file names. An image on the screen from the PC Cyborg Corporation, in quotes, directed users to mail $189 to PO address in Panama. The decryption process was relatively simple, however, and security researchers released a free tool to help victims. So, like, the scale's not huge, the outcome wasn't drastic, but that apparently was, like, the first fucking one. And then mm. this one, the most recent one, from 2021, Kaseya? I don't know what that is. K-A-S-E-Y-A? So, in 2021... On July 2nd, to be exact, Kaseya announced its systems had been infiltrated. Oh, Kaseya provides IT solutions for other companies. Mm -hmm. An ideal target, which in a domino effect, ended up impacting approximately 1,500 organizations in multiple countries. Our evil, a cyber criminal outfit, claimed responsibility for the attack and demanded ransoms ranging from a few thousand dollars to multiple millions. It's unclear how many individual businesses paid up, but they demanded $70 million in Bitcoin from Kaseya. They declined to pay and cooperated with the FBI and the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency. And on July 21st, they obtained a universal decryptor key and distributed it to organizations impacted by the attack. But there's other instances where people actually did pay up and they've paid 11 million. It seems like there's a lot of like, they paid millions in Bitcoin. That seems to be a bit of a theme here. Yeah, usually because Bitcoin is like hard to track in theory. But right. Apparently, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's right. 
Yes. And sometimes it seems like people will negotiate. <laughs> they originally, some people, the hackers or whatever, wanted 7.5 million. They negotiated down to four. So, but it seems like money has been paid out because. Oh, yeah, for sure. People have made money from this. Yeah. So that's pretty um hectic, I guess. Wow. And then also one other thing that I just wanted to kind of say in terms of viruses, right? Like, mm-hmm. the internet has just made it so much easier for a virus to get onto your computer. Like, a virus isn't technically an internet-specific thing. Like, No, you yeah, know what I mean? you saw like, the person censored out with floppy disks. Yeah, like, yeah, I could give you a USB and there could be a virus on it. So don't accept USBs from random people, I guess. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like the internet. Now there's so many different places you can go. You can download something and suddenly you have a virus on your computer. So, you know, I'm just going to throw that out there. But I also don't. I also feel like I feel less concerned about like accidentally downloading a virus. I feel like maybe back in like the early like 2010s kind of thing, that was maybe more of a concern. But yeah, you know, we don't we don't torrent as much music or torrent like we don't know that downloading a lot of files these days. Yeah. Um, And, you know, our our phones are generally more secure just because of the way like specifically iPhones. And if you're only downloading stuff from the Google Play Store, like Apple and Google check all of the stuff that gets on there. So in theory, anything that's getting installed on your phone is you know, not as near as much of a risk as it is on your computer where yeah. you can be downloading from some random place on the internet. So I think we probably, you know, didn't answer all your questions, but... I mean, listen, we only know what we know. We do only know. <laughs> and we're trying to know a little more so that we could just stay slightly safer. And like, once again, it's just having a little more knowledge in your tool belt so that you can just be aware of things, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's similar. Um, I guess, you know, in the, in the same way that all of us, this whole past two years, it's been two years now of COVID, uh, when we're recording this, maybe you're just like laughing because it's the future and this is a no longer... I would love if this was an irrelevant time. reference. Please, <laughs> if you're listening to this 10 years from now, you're like, LOL, what's a COVID? Oh my God, I love that that's the life you're living right now. <laughs> my God. But I think as, as the people who have been living through this um, health pandemic, this physical pandemic, you know, it's, it's really hard to judge the level of risk that you encounter every day. Mm. And you yeah. can stay ignorant about how a virus transmits or how security, you know, how you put yourself at risk. Or you can be educated about it and still be mostly um, have have no uh, way to really protect yourself because you're at the mercy of your government or your app developer or right. you know, um, yeah. So don't freak out if if this episode has highlighted you all of these ways in which you are maybe more at risk than you thought you were, but also right. know that you should stay vigilant, but also find that happy balance. Yeah, and also it's like, you know, when you understand it a little more, then you can like advocate for change you can you know what i mean you can put pressure on politicians you can put pressure on people to have more protections in place because you know what you're talking about versus if you just have no idea and then you see one buzzfeed article that's saying that you know you're unsafe in all these ways now you're freaking out but it's like well guess what they didn't even research their article properly and they're also just trying to scare you to get reads 
<laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, it's, it's just that core understanding, once again, of what the internet actually is. And it's just like, it's computers. It's ones and zeros. And it's like, yeah, where in that process could your data possibly get intercepted and then you can think okay if someone got my data what could they do with it and that's kind of like the most basic question you can ask yourself and if you're like well crap i put my credit card information into this website that didn't have a padlock you know what i mean you know maybe i should go change my credit card like you know there there is a logic trail that you can follow to try to determine how much risk you may have put yourself in right Mm -hmm. exactly so and there are ways to be, you know, more smart with that. I think some of those ways involve having a single point of failure, like using PayPal or Apple Pay or, yeah. you know, other services. You're not putting your credit card everywhere. You're using a password right. manager so that you're not, right. you know, putting it at risk. But, you know, live your life. Live your best life. And yeah. join us for the final episode ah! next time we post, which... <laughs> Who knows? Um, Hopefully soon for our final episode of season one of Where Do We Even Start? Wow. Crazy. Crazy. All right, y'all. Well, stay safe out there. Keep those ones and zeros garbledy gooped. And we'll see you next time. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.